Hey everyone, this is Colin Harbor of Harbor Time Strategy Talks. Thanks for listening today. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Leadership is always relevant. Leadership is the essence of business strategy. Put another way, without strong leadership, business strategy would never happen. Tim Kentz of the Kentz Group is the guest this week, and we discuss effective leadership and management methods, and we also discuss overcoming your fears to get things done. Tim is a former college baseball player who had a big dream of playing in the big leagues until that dream was ended due to an injury. He's the author of two books, Frictionless and Fearless. We discuss leadership, management, training, and the most important thing, which is to dream big. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the feedback. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. I know you're going to enjoy this one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Harbor Time Strategy Talks. I'm your host, Colin Harbor, and you've heard me say it before. Leadership is always relevant. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about it from a a couple of different viewpoints. Let me ask you a question. As a leader manager, what do you do when you show up to work and one of your team members is called in hungover? One is called in sick. Another one quit and your customers are getting angry about an escalated issue. Your email box is full and your senior leadership is expecting something from you. Are you going to buzzword your way out of it? I doubt it. So we're going to talk about some of that today as well. And I want to start with a quote. I met our our guest and, and I'll introduce him in just a minute, but I met our guest a couple of weeks ago. One of the things he said just just resonated with me and, and I've thought about it a lot since then is the speed of the team is all about the speed of the leader. Now, I don't know if he made that quote up or not. I'm going to attribute it to him for now because he's the one that I heard say it. And and we'll get to that in a few minutes, too. As a reminder, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, um, over the last couple of months, I've kicked off the Vulnerability Tour 2021. And we're going to be looking at some roadblocks that we all face together and challenges that we're going to face in 2021 and how we're going to overcome them. I've already discussed failure, criticism. Next week, I'm going to discuss communication, how you communicate with others. We're going to discuss anxiety, envy, immobilization, indecisiveness, and self-pity. So be looking for that information and and let me know what you think about it. Once again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, Don't forget to like share or comment or subscribe. And I wanted to mention one other thing, because you'll see me uh, drinking out of this glass. You might not be able to see it, but it says Baylor. I've got my Baylor shirt on. March is here and we've got college basketball underway and and the men's team for Baylor Bears. The women's team's doing great too, but I'm talking about the men's team is looking to hopefully make a a run into the uh, into the NCAA tournament. So good luck to all the college uh, basketball players this month that they'll be really focusing in on some of their goals and dreams. So many of you know that I collect sports cards, non-sports cards, autographs, other little knickknacks like that, collectibles. When I first met Tim, 
again, who I'll introduce in a minute, a couple weeks ago, he showed me a couple of great autographs that he has, like Nolan Ryan, Brooks Robinson. He had seats from Bush Stadium. Some really cool stuff. He played baseball in college and then some other baseball before he got injured. He moved into the car business and worked his way up from, from dealer to general manager. So let me go ahead and introduce Tim. Tim is a motivator and a trainer. He's a leader. He's the author of an Amazon bestseller called Frictionless, and he's the president of the Kent's Group, the automotive industry's premier sales and management training company. He's a competitor at heart and focuses on the competitive drive in people to make them more effective. I mentioned his book, Frictionless, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, he sent me a copy of it, which I have right here in this great package, and I, I haven't gotten into that yet, but he also sent me a copy of Fearless, which is which is his newest book, and I have begun reading this and gotten into it, and we're going to talk about some of the things he writes about in this book today. Tim's a graduate of the uh, NADA Dealer Academy, and he's worked in almost every position in the dealership. So like I mentioned, he started out detailing cars, he's worked his way up to GM, and now he's training others for success. So um, I mentioned the books, he's an author, he's a leader, he's a great speaker. So Tim, how's it going today? Thank you for joining us. It's going great. Just uh, you know, enjoying a day back into the office, able to have some fun shooting other podcasts. It's, uh, it's good to be back, been on the road a lot lately because a lot of need for training, a lot of business out there. Yeah, there's always a need for training. So let's start with this. Can you tell me who is Tim Kent and what do you do? Um, I am, I'm a car guy, <laughs> basically. I mean, literally, I when I when the dream of not being a big league baseball player ended at 22, had to figure out what I was going to be and started out washing cars and. 32 years later, I'm still in the car business. And it's, uh, you know, I always joke around that the car business is like Denny's. You never make reservations. You just end up there at two in the morning. Kind of like the car business. Most people didn't grow up saying they want to be a car salesperson. Just kind of ended up there at two in the morning. And and once you get in it, and if you're competitive, you can make a lot of money. And you can be very successful. But it's all about production. It's not about potential. And that's what I love about it. Because you're rewarded for production versus potential. And, you know, I, I did that 11 years, all the, like you said, all the way from washing cars, all the way through running a dealer group and worked for a premier training company at the time for 13 years. It was great learning experience. And then the internet hit and really evolved the business. So I left the training side, went back into the dealership as a general manager at a Ford store and realized how, how the customer, the expectations, the, the technology, how that's all changed. And realizing that, man, what we taught 30, 40 years ago, it was great, but we got to evolve. We got to evolve the sales process because if we don't, we'll be dinosaurs. You evolve or you're extinct. It's that simple. And I think that year back in the dealership was the best thing I could have done. Because it really allowed me to give real, relevant, up-to-date training and coaching for these guys so they could deliver the experience that today's buyers expect. And, you know, and I more and more realized that managers are often the least trained people in the dealership. So 
it's nobody's fault that we're not good. It's kind of like Survivor. Outwit, outlast, outplay, don't get voted off, and you're going to win. It's kind of how it is in a dealership. Outwit, outlast, don't get fired, and eventually you'll be a manager. Doesn't mean you're a leader. just means yeah. you lasted longer than everyone else. Yep. And I think um, – Sounds a lot like life, you know, too, in a lot of cases. Oh, yeah. Well, and we do – so with the Kinch Group, we do open seminars, uh, just pretty much like everybody does. They're, if there's 100 people there, they may be from 50 dealerships. Um, and then, obviously, with the pandemic, that slowed that side down. But when we did them, I'm a big, big, fun competition guy. So we would always have them at top golf instead of some hotel next to an airport that nobody wants to be at and they get tired and bored of being there. Uh, we bring some fun to it and excitement and competition. And then we also go in dealerships and do in-store consulting. And then we have some online training platforms um, that we do. And really we've evolved into digital retailing, which obviously got thrown on us with the pandemic a year ago. We were the dog who caught the car. Uh-oh, now what? Sure. How do we sell online? So that's kind of a Reader's Digest view of how I got where I'm at and um, having fun and trying to get better every day. Yeah, that's awesome. We all should get get better, just get a little bit better every day, a little bit, little bit improvement. What can we do? So let's talk about it. I mentioned in the opening clip, I talked a little bit about leadership. Um, what does good leadership mean to you? without all the buzzwords and hype? It means people will, will follow you through a brick wall, right? It's, instead of being the brick wall that so many so-called leaders are, they will follow you through the brick wall for you. Um, you're not really a leader if the people aren't following you. And it's really the simple question you can ask. Five years from now, if I asked your people, who was the person that made a difference in your life? Who was that person that cared more about you getting better than you cared about you getting better? Will they remember your name? Or will you have been forgotten? And, you know, you look back, you have a handful of people over your life that made that difference. I write about them in, in my book, my new book, Fearless. You know, I talk about Kazanis in there. How CAC was, he's that guy, man. It was, geez, 33 years ago, 34 years ago, he was recruiting a cocky 18-year-old kid out of St. Charles, Missouri to come play in Arizona. And uh, he's still an influence in my life to this day, which, you know, he's the only coach I can say that about. And I had lots of coaches. So really it's making sure that are we making a difference in our people? Are we – are they better at the end of a one-on-one -on -one than when they started the one-on-one? -on -one? Right? Do they know we care more about them getting better than they care about them getting better? Right? Those are the questions you have to ask. It's, I don't think being a great leader is a cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all. I think we all learn and evolve when it comes to becoming a great leader. Yeah, and I, I like what you said. You know, Are they better at the end of the one-on-one -on -one than when they started. A lot of people don't think about that, right? They think about this big picture of leadership, this big view of leadership. 
But you know what? A good leader is is in the trenches and they're they're focused on the person that they're meeting with. And you're you're meeting with one of your team members for 30 minutes or an hour. Yeah. Are they better at the end of the meeting than when they started because of the leadership you provided? I think that's awesome. Yeah, if they're not better, you just wasted 30 minutes of your life and their life. That's the bottom line. It's only thing that matters. You know, John Maxwell said it best. How do your kids know? How do your kids spell love? T-I-M-E. How do your people know you care about T-I-M-E. What do we not do enough of? Spend time with our people because we've got everything else is more important, right? It's all, everything else is urgent, important or urgent, not important. And the urgent stuff is what gets all of our attention, but the people are what's going to make the difference. Yep. Well, then let's jump into the book. I know you've you've written two books, but let's jump into Fearless. You break the leadership down into four, or you break leadership down into four quadrants, and you call it the leadership yeah. quadrant. Can you explain right. what that approach looks like and why it's so effective? I always kind of joke around when I'm doing seminars and stuff. I'll talk about... I kind of shock everybody and say, first of all, I want to tell you guys all, leadership is overrated. And everybody looks at me like I'm crazy. And then I kind of fix it and say, it's not really overrated, but man, I think leadership's overused. I think people, people talk about leadership this, you know, 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. That's all great stuff. But what does it really mean to be a leader? What is... How do I apply it every day when I walk in? Like you said, I got a guy called in because his his kid's sick. I got another guy hung over. I got pissed off customers. I got to sell cars. I got a, I got upper management screaming at me on wanting to know where the numbers are. And it's it's hard. It's hard to prioritize everything. And look, I, I think of it as four key areas that we always got to work on. It's you got to be able to lead manage, train, and coach. And I think those are all four separate skill sets. No different than than building rapport is a different skill set when you're selling than negotiating is. It's the same thing. Training and coaching are two different skill sets. Leading people, managing things are two different skill sets. And that's as managers, then that's what we have to be working on. That's what we have to be evolving. We have you know, when's the last time managers ever role played holding the one on one with their salespeople? They actually sat down with another manager and they role played how they're going to hold a one on one with their salespeople. Pretty much close your eyes. What do you see? Nothing. Never. It's managers don't role play, but we expect salespeople to always be role playing. Right. Well, if we're going to be great at it, that's our skills. So it's, it, if you look at it that area, leading, leading is, kind of retail, right? You're out front. Leading is is given that vision, big picture, inspiring people. Managing is the detail side. Managing is the the knowing the stats, the tendencies, the probabilities. Managing is being organized and knowing what your day is going to look like, right? If you don't control your day, your day will control you. It's knowing your inventory, knowing what the right inventory is, right? It's the detail. Leading is the retail. Training is given knowledge. Coaching is developing skills. And it, when you break it down to those four key areas, look, there's guys that are good leaders, but they're, they're 
lost his last year's Easter egg when it comes to being organized and managing things. There's some guys that are really good at training and giving a bunch of knowledge, but they don't know how to roll up their sleeves and work elbow to elbow with somebody to develop the skills, right? There's guys, really good leaders that don't know how to coach anybody because they think that people should learn on their own. So it's really a juggling act. And when you look at those four key areas, figure out what you're good at. What do you need to work on most? What could have the biggest impact with the least amount of pain on your people and develop that skill? What one of my previous guests mentioned, he, he's a professional triathlete, and, and he said what, what they focused on in, in tri- triathlete training is focus on your strength. Work on your weaknesses, but focus on your strength. Grow your strength. Make your strength stronger. And then you can you, you know bring your weaknesses along and develop those. And it sounds a lot like the same concept here is of those four things, what are you best at? Develop that better. And you can work on the other things too, but don't focus on a weakest weakness. Focus on your strength. Develop the other things. Focus on your strength, or at least that's kind of what I took from it. Thanks, Tim. So what role does being fearless play in leadership? You know, you, you think about fearless. What does, what does it mean to be fearless? I think um, um, fearless is all about not being afraid to make mistakes. I think there's a lot of people that have tons of potential, but fear holds them back. It's the old saying, you know, do what you fear and you'll conquer fear. But fear can be paralyzing to people. Well, what if I don't do a good job? Well, what if this doesn't work? Well, what if my people don't respect me? Yeah, but what if they do? It's, it, it's, it's like negotiating. I think, I think when it comes to selling, I think more people are afraid. Of, they're more afraid of losing a deal than they are inspired to make a deal. Stop being afraid. Have no fear. Take chances. Have dream big. You know, I think a lot of people are afraid to dream big and have big passion and, and a big purpose because, well, what if I don't hit it? What if I come up short? What will people think? Who gives a crap? I mean, shoot for the stars. Worst case scenario, hit the moon. I mean, it's don't let fear drive your life. That's I, that. Just look around. I think there's so much of that that has kept people from being successful in life. Whatever it is, whether it's becoming a great leader, great parent, great at their job, figure out how to be the best in the world at and do it. Don't be afraid of it. Just look around next time when you're at a class reunion or you're at the mall. How many people are existing and how many people are are succeeding? You know, think about when we were kids. We dreamed big, man. You know, we all want to be something. I was going to be a big league baseball player. And there's people wanting to be fighter pilots, ballerinas, doctors. It's Everybody dreams big when you're young. And then all of a sudden, 22, 23, 24, you hit the real world, get a job. What happens? We just live, come home, you know, clock in in the morning, put in your eight hours of work, come home, drink a 12-pack, watch Jerry Springer. Pretty soon we're on Jerry Springer. And um, we just kind of exist and hope everything works out. And we, we literally, so many people spend the first 20 plus years of their life dreaming and having a purpose and the next 60 years of their life existing. 
mean, don't let that happen. Don't yeah, exist. Is, you're firing right. me up right now. You're making me want to go out and, I don't know, play Major League Baseball or run in a marathon. I'm getting fired up. Why not? Well, hell, why not? Somebody's going to run in it. Why not you? <laughs> I know. I agree. They got a bunch so of that's numbers. awesome. But that's, I think that's what holds a lot of people back. I'm not real good at getting up in front of people and training. Well, nobody is. Just get up and do it, and then you'll get good. I mean, that's, of course, you're not good at public speaking. But if you do it, you'll get good. Number one fear in life is public speaking. Number two fear is death. Most people would rather be the dead guy in the casket than the one standing up talking about the dead guy. But if you do it and you're prepared, then there's nothing to be afraid of. And that's really why where fearless comes in. And just sometimes it's ready, fire, aim. And I think a lot of people, you know, you hear people say, well, when I, when, when I get motivated, I'll do it. Or, you know, I'm going to start working out next month. You've heard people say that. Well, first of the year, I'm really going to start eating good and working out. Well, next Monday. I'm going to start working out next Monday. Yeah. yeah, they're going to be fat in two years still, too. It's You just do it. That's It's just the way it is, man. If you wait to do it, there is no perfect time. Perfection is the enemy of progress. So many people wait for the perfect time to do something, whether it's becoming a great leader, whether it's becoming a better parent, whether it's starting your own business. We wait for that perfect time. You know, I'm going to do. No, you're not. You play the game called one day. One day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do that. Problem is, turns into someday. Someday turns into none of these days. And then 30 years later, you're doing the same thing you were 30 years ago, wondering why you didn't do something. So it's motivation is the byproduct of doing the things it takes to be motivated. Play video games, watch every single thing on Netflix and Prime Video twice, and wonder what the hell is going to happen and who's going to support me. There was a lot of that. Look, I played some Xbox, me and my son, we had a lot of fun doing that too, but I wasn't going to just do that. I wrote Fearless. I created Lead Converter, which is a digital retailing uh, accountability tool. And we, we created Pro Video Now, which is a, a video tool used for interactive selling to customers. Because, man, at the end of this, we all had to succeed. It was going to, everything was going to come around, but I wasn't afraid to do it. And I think fear paralyzed a lot of people during the pandemic. And I understand it, but you do what you fear and you conquer fear. Yeah, and you and I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I actually, at the beginning of the pandemic, lost my job and I tortoised. I hid in my shell for a while. And once I came out, then I started being more effective. I created my, or started my own company. I created this podcast. I started doing a couple of other things. And all of those things did, yeah, they required a little bit of fearlessness, right? I, 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 I hid in my shell at first, but then you've got to come out. To your point, if you're not going to try it, it's not going to be done. If you're not going to just take the first step and you talk about excuses at the beginning of the podcast, well, I don't have a good microphone. Well, I don't have a good camera. I'm still trying to figure the microphone thing out, quite frankly, and I'm almost 30 episodes in. It's just, you just got to do it sometimes. You just got to go, right? Fire aim. Sometimes it's fire ready aim. Right. So then let's let's move on to the, the next thing here. Can you walk us through the concept of an emotional bank account and why it's so crucial to good leadership. So as a manager and as a leader, 
no matter what, you're going to have to, you'll have to get tough on people, straight talk with your employees, especially with sales, right? Talk about their goals, talk about their objectives, when they did and didn't hit their goals. And I think uh, if I'm going to be a great leader, I need to have earned the right to be able to have tough conversations with people and to coach them and help them. And it's, it's John Maxwell was the first exposure I ever had to it. But it's, it's all about an emotional bank account. And what that means is with your people, I need to be making deposits. I need to be, I need to be having positive deposits into their emotional bank account, meaning I need to do a good job of catching them doing things right, patting them on the back when they do a good job, um, giving them public recognition is huge for people, especially in sales. That that motivates some of them more than the money does. Sure, it's all these deposits I'm making, these positives. So now when I have to make a a withdrawal, now when I have to kind of lock their heels, give them the hard facts, straight talk, whatever it is, I've earned the right. When, now I'm not overdrawn. Challenges so often the only time we ever see our salespeople, it's seagull management style, right? They don't see us as often as we need to, and then we fly in dump on them, squawk, make a lot of noise and fly out. And then we're overdrawn and our emotional bank accounts are bouncing. It's, it really has to be, it has to be something you focus on all the time. And how am I setting my people up for win? Are you putting your people in a position to win? Or are you putting people in a position to lose? Right, Winning and losing are both habits. Just ask, you know, I grew up in St. Louis, Cardinal fans. Just ask the Cubs for over a hundred years or, you know, or the Red Sox. Thing <laughs> All right. I'm never going to have a listener from Chicago again now, but that's okay. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, I mean, look, I was a Cardinal fan. I love the Cubs because it was good for about 15 wins a year for the Cardinals. But my point is though, that winning and losing are habits. And if you expect to win as a manager, are you putting your people in positions to succeed or are you putting them in positions that you know they're going to get their teeth kicked in? Are you, are, are you sending them out to talk to a customer or to negotiate a deal when they're, they don't have a clue how to handle it and they're going to go there, they're going to fail, and that's when they start pushing back on our processes. So my, my whole emotional bank account idea is how do we build them up? How do we earn the right? In the book, I talk about an example of my daughter. She was in competitive cheer here in Texas, which is a big deal, obviously. You know that. And... One day, me and my son were at the batting cage, and he's in select baseball. So we were at the batting cage, and I get a call from my wife. She's a realtor. She was showing a house. She says, hey, I need you to swing by Excite, and I need you to uh, pick up Madden. Something happened that's not good there. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I drive over there, told Cooper he had to stay in the car, and I went in. And, man, I walk in, and it it was mom on coach crime going on. Man, this poor coach was cornered, and the moms were all screaming at him, and he was attacking back. And I'm just kind of listening because this wasn't – my wife handled most of the, the cheer side. I handled the baseball side. So I was a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I just started listening. And what had happened was apparently they were screwing around during one of their drills. A girl fell. She got hurt. Not really bad, but she got hurt. Coach got pissed off and made them exercise, God forbid, for an hour. 
was their punishment. And they that was wrong. <laughs> the girls were crying and whatever. But as I'm listening, what happened here was okay, the girls had some little prize that they would win at practice. And they got to bring it home and they could paint it and do all kinds of cute stuff to it. And they bring it back the next day. And it was an award that they would always get every every practice and every tournament and or competition. And um, he stopped doing that. And then they went and took first place in their first tournament or, or competition of the year. And he didn't give them their medals. And all he did was talked about how they sucked and they shouldn't have won and what they did wrong and what they need to do. Then they went and won a grand champion. So apparently there's a difference between first place and grand champion. So they won the grand championship and he still held their, their award from them and talked about what they did bad. So what he didn't realize was he, he just kept getting overdrawn and overdrawn and overdrawn. And then it wasn't that the girl got hurt. It wasn't that they had to exercise. It was he was so overdrawn, the collection companies came after him. And in his defense, he was never taught how to celebrate wins, how to pat him on the back. And I look, I finally spoke up and said, look, it's really clear what's going on here. And everybody looked at me like, who are you? I said, man, you, I, and I, I told him, I said, you're overdrawn in the girl's emotional bank account. You're great at what you do. You know how to do it. You're a young coach. You're a young leader. And you've been taking all the fun away. You've been taking all the emotional bank account deposits away. And you're overdrawn. And you need to start celebrating wins. You need to start, start focusing on what they do good. So when you have to get serious and make them exercise because they were screwing around and somebody got hurt, because that's what you need to do as a coach, you've earned the right to do that. And he said, you know what, that makes sense. But I want all the girls to write a paper on what they're going to do to make sure that they never get hurt again in practice before the next practice. And I told him, I said, I think that's fair, but you're going to write a, uh, you're going to write a paper on what you're going to do to make sure you start celebrating wins and recognizing the girls. He said, I think that's fair. And they all did it and they went out and they won the next next, next competition again. And everything changed because he started celebrating with them. You just saw the difference in the team because he, started adding to their emotional bank account. I know that's a long story, but I mean, it, it didn't happen one day, right? He didn't get overdrawn one day and he didn't, he didn't get a surplus in their emotional bank account in one day. It took time, but it just proved to me, man, whether it's coaching little, little girls competition cheer or leading the top salespeople or baseball, football teams, still the same, same principle. Yeah, no, that's great. And that's a great story. I'm experiencing some of that with, with my daughters and some of their sports. So I can, I can relate to what you're talking about. Let's talk about a couple of other things here. What are, so just specific items, what are some, some questions that managers can ask themselves to assess their their current leadership skills. We talked about the four quadrants and the four specialties and maybe focusing in on your strengths and maybe working on your weaknesses. But what are some questions they can ask themselves to figure out what their their strengths are? 
I think it needs to start with where do you want to be in in three to five years? What if you could if you could write out right now what your world's going to look like in five years? Do you know it? What would you like it to look? It's a dream. Doesn't have to be real, but in a perfect world, if everything you wanted happened, what would that look like? Whether it's it's uh, business, financial, family, spiritual, community, you have to have balance in that. But what does it look like? You know, it's. I, I think so often we don't have that long term vision, right? We don't have the. The, if everything looked good, the Elon Musk's, the, you know, the Steve Jobs, Henry Ford vision that they want to have a car in every driveway. I, you know, that's the Henry Ford and Elon Musk. He wants to have batteries to power cities. Man, those are that's the big vision. I think you need to sit down and you need to turn off your phone, turn off your iPad, close your computer, turn your TV off. Turn off your desktop computer. All your electronics got to go away. And you're going to grab a piece of paper. You're going to grab a pen. And if you have to, if you want, grab a glass of wine or something and start writing what your world's going to look like in three years or five years. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but what does it look like? Because if you don't have that long-term vision, right? Stephen Covey said that that in Seven Habits, Highly Effective People is, is they begin with the end in mind. Hey, what does that end look like? I think we spend so much time, and not just as leaders, but but everybody. We live day to day. It's in the car business. We live in thirty day bubbles. We just care about this month, and then we just live month to month, and we just pull numbers out of blue sky. But we don't have that big long. See, I need to as a leader. I got to have a big vision. If I want to have followers, I got to be able to paint that big picture for them. Say, here's where we're going to be in five years. And here's how you're going to fit into this big picture. And that's when people, that's when people will, and they, they will run through that brick wall for you. But what is your purpose? What is your why? And I think whether you're great at training, whether you're great at coaching, I don't care what it is, that's where it starts. And 100% of us have to start there. And it's a living document. And... Remember, when you're doing vision, I think the hardest part of writing out a vision, I know the hardest part, is dreaming big, especially the older we get. What Zig Ziglar said that by the time we're 18, we've been told no 140,000 times. It's hardening of the attitudes, right? When we think about your kids, when you ask them what they want for Christmas, if they still believe in Santa, what do they tell you? Little kids. Man, you give them a piece of paper, here you go. Write everything down you want. And they'll be filling this pad of paper up, and then they'll come back and say, you got more paper. Then the older we get, they say, what do you want for Christmas? And we're like, yeah, I don't know. Just give me a gift card to Lowe's. Gift card. Yeah, we gift lose card. That, we lose the creativity. I, I think the creativity gets crushed out of out of us over the years. Because we're, how often are we told no? It happens. So I want you to start dreaming. Yeah. Think big. Think big. That is good. Then, then one of the other things that I want to circle back on that you mentioned earlier, you said that to, you know, one-on-ones are key when we talk about coaching yep. and time spent with employees. And so to become a great coach, you've got to have good one-on-ones. So what are some of the seven, some of the seven steps you recommend taking for a great 
employee one-on-one? Really, I think um, it's it starts with understanding how it begins, how it ends. I always I always want to start a one-on-one on positive note, and I got to finish on a positive. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm bookending this with positives. If I go in and I start off talking about negatives, talking about problems, then defenses are up, and I'm not listening. Just how it is, man. That's human nature. So it's it starts with understanding. I look in between. I got to get straight talk. I'm going to be looking at numbers. So I'm going to be looking at their goals. I'm going to be looking at their skill sets, what they're good at, what they're not good at. I'm going to look at all their working prospects in the middle. But it's how do I start it? How do I end it? I start it to open them up. I want to have chit chat, a little bit of conversation. I want to recognize something good that they've done recently. Then I want to start moving into what is their purpose? What are their goals? Right? It's how, we're not all motivated by the same thing. And money doesn't motivate everybody. So what is that person's motivator? What is their why? You know, have you sat down and done their why? Do they know what their why is? Because that's my job. And that's what I use to motivate them. Now I'm looking at their why, tying their goals into it, looking at their statistics, their tendencies, and their probabilities based on where they're going to end up, based on where they're at right now. Then we look at the skills that they need to work on based on their stats. Because, you know, it's it's basic. It's, you know, forecasting is just an estimate of future possibilities based on a current trend. Well, here's your tendencies. Here's your probabilities based on what's going on right now. So we need to fix this, this, and this. I'm going to practice with them, do a little role playing with them, give them maybe some projects or things to work on on their own. And then I'm going to look at all of their working prospects so we can make sure we're feeding the beast, making sure that we're paying their bills and helping them close deals. And then I'm going to end it always on a positive uh, when we're done with the one-on-one. But one-on-ones are intentional. They're not something you get to when you have time. Mm -hmm. They are the most important thing you do every day. Your people didn't quit one day. Your people quit a little bit over time. And your people didn't quit. They, your people did not quit the company. They quit you. They quit the managers. Right. And then they leave the company. That's the bottom line. Wow. I love it. I love hearing this. I love talking about it. We're kind of at the end here, but one of the things, if someone wants to get in touch with you, Tim, how do they do it? What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? And I'll put it up on the screen for the video, but, but how should somebody reach out to you if they want to connect? Kinchgroup.com, K-I-N-T-Z group.com. All over social media. Love you guys to go on there on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, got Kinch Group and Tim Kents. What else am I on? Instagram. And YouTube channel. We're on there. You can send in contact forms. My cell phone is on there. So you guys can reach out, talk to me. Uh, I'm always here to help out. You know, it's the old joke is uh, business would be great if it wasn't for people. Well, unfortunately, we have to make our people great. And it's, it's not always easy. And I have lots of resources. My website's getting rebuilt now. So there's even going to be more resources on there. Uh, you can go to timkents.com and it has some resources for fearless. So there's a lot of stuff on there and uh, we're always here to help. Well, that's great. Well, I appreciate everything that you have said today. 
Um, I'm really enjoying, like I said, getting into uh, Fearless, and then I'm going to look forward to getting into Frictionless. Thank you for for joining the, the podcast and the video today. Thank you for what you do for others, for other businesses, and your motivation, and your leadership, and your energy, quite frankly. Of course, I think someone in your line of work has to have energy, but I love the energy. I feel it coming through. Uh, the video. I, I hear the passion um, and, and I appreciate you. Thank you for, for being on today. Man, it, it was my honor and my pleasure and I'm around anytime for you. All right. So, hey, to all of our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. I know you, you will enjoy this. Um, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave comments. I appreciate the feedback that I receive. I appreciate you forwarding the information to others and Think about what we talked about today. Think about leadership. Think about vision. Think about practical ways that you can set your goals, dream big, work with your team, develop others. And I think you'll be better. Your team will be better. And I I think you'll really enjoy doing that. One of the other things I forgot to mention is we talked about baseball and baseball season is here. I love seeing the scores for the spring games starting to pop up on my phone. I'm a Rangers fan personally, um, so I'll leave the Cubs, Cardinals battles up to the up to the other people. Leave, leave that into a regional battle. But thank you for listening. Thank you, Tim, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.